Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, and today's guest is Julie Hunter, who works as the executive director at the Windsor Life Center. Windsor Life Center uh, is a uh, faith-based residential treatment center for women recovering from drug and alcohol addictions. Uh, The uh, center began about 10 years ago on the property of Windsor Christian Fellowship, and it really uh, grew out of the vision and leadership of Kathy Shimatero. Uh, welcome, uh, Julie. Great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Kevin. It's it's great to be here. Yeah, I was I was thinking before the podcast that um, uh, you and I uh, we cross paths occasionally, and and I think uh, it was probably while our grandkids were playing soccer that. Uh, we started talking about having you on the podcast and that was in the summertime and uh, now we're getting getting to winter, but uh, I'm glad that we could work it out. I um, am as well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to confess my, uh, my ignorance, and my curiosity that I don't know a lot about you. Um, so, uh, Julie, I'd love to hear your story and, uh, you know, your journey to, to Jesus and how that brought you to become a director at a, at a recovery home. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm happy to, happy to share. Uh, I love the work I do. I love um, seeing women on a healthier journey. And I actually feel like that's something God just placed in me from a, from a young girl. So um, I grew up, uh, my parents actually got gave their life to Jesus when I was a young child. My dad actually first when I was three and my mom when I was eight. So I only remember uh, growing up in church and loving the Lord. When I was 15, I remember having a precise moment of uh, deciding that I would always follow God. So uh, I didn't do everything right as a teenager, but I do uh, always recall loving the Lord and felt his guidance uh, on my life's journey. And I um, just remember in high school having friends that were from difficult situations in their living, uh, in their homes. And I remember just uh, wanting to, particularly women, girls, girls, we were girls then, but just wanting to bring them home and saying to my mom, like, so-and-so and and -and so-and-so, they need a safe place to live. Can I bring them home, mom? Can we, can we just add them to our family? And my mom saying, honey, you just can't just grab kids and bring them into your home. It doesn't work like that. And I'm like, well, why, why can't it work like that? I want them safe. I want them loved because I felt loved in my home. I I had uh, the benefit, uh, uh, blessing of having two parents that, um, love me very much. Uh, now they've been married 62 years and um, I just felt always very supported. So I want others, I wanted other women particularly to know that support as well. Yeah. Um, go did ahead. You up, did you uh, grow up in Windsor? I didn't. I grew up in the county. I grew up okay. in uh, Woodsley, the big town of Woodsley <laughs> in the county. <laughs> been uh, there. Been there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually know your sister quite well. Uh, you uh-huh. know, yeah. <laughs> um, well, your sister does work at, at WLC, but uh, she was a friend for a long time from uh, WCF. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, I was just going to say, so yeah. I just feel like God always put it in me to want to help women be safe and, and in a better spot and feel loved. So I feel like the Lord did that. I went on a journey. Um, I have 
uh, phys ed degree, which has served me well with uh, for my kids being coaching, coaching their sports. And also I, I play sports, so I played along with them. But then I also morphed that into Windsor Life Center when we when I started here. So let me back up a little bit. I also am a nurse. So I was a nurse for 31 years. I was in Detroit for 21 years. I love nursing. I love hands-on, again, caring for uh, people, showing them the love of Jesus. That that was always so important to me. When Windsor Life Center opened, um, even when they were first in discussions, my heart just leaped with want to be involved and help women, want to love women, want to show them the love of God. Um, so in... When they first started talking about it, I, I had a, uh, expressed my interest to want to be involved in some way. When they first were going to open, I met with the, she was the program coordinator then and just said, how can I be involved? And uh, it was funny because in that conversation, she said, well, what do you love to do? I said, well, I love the word of God, so I'd love to teach Bible study. Um, and then we chat a little bit more and I said, oh, I have a phys ed degree and I like sports. And she's like, well. No offense, Julie, but we're 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 we are our church is right on the grounds, and probably I could probably get a number of Bible study teachers, but I I don't know that I have everyone anyone that could teach sports. So would you consider that role coming in as a, a facilitator in sports, teaching sports to the girls? Um, little did I know how the Lord would utilize that. And then I would still be doing that 10 years later. Again, I like sports, so I love to play with them. Um, so I, I didn't know how the Lord would utilize that, though, because in sports, there's boundaries, right? There's rules. Mm -hmm. You have to have mm -hmm. rules. Otherwise, it's chaos. You, you, there's not it's not a sport if you don't play within the boundaries of the rules. So that really crossed over to the women that I serve to show like boundaries are necessary, right? Uh, yeah. Rules are necessary to for safety for everyone. It's interesting that, you know, even as a, as a kid in high school, um, God was already shaping your heart for a lifetime of caring and helping, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a uh, similar experience. I, I remember uh, like growing up as a, a pastor's kid and part of uh, growing up as a pastor's kid, you know, for me was saying, that's the last thing in the world I want to do. Uh, but there was, there was something that was being shaped in my heart through, uh, through observation. I remember uh, one of my uh, early birthdays, I think maybe when I was turning 10 or something and, and uh, being uh, with my dad, uh, I had some birthday cash and we were going to to go shopping i was going to go buy myself some toy or something and and uh, as we're driving through um the city of cambridge uh galt as it was known uh my dad saw somebody that he knew and uh, this guy was an alcoholic and he was uh, at the roadside and i remember my dad pulling over and and i don't know what the guy's name was say it was say it was joe and rolling down the window hello joe are you okay and joe getting in the car and joe was intoxicated and i'm this little boy sitting in the back seat listening to my dad ministering to this guy and and um some of those experiences as as a kid uh just opened up my heart to see that uh, there was a real hurting world around us 
even though growing up in church, I lived a very sheltered, protected life, uh, I, I knew that there was a hurting world. And uh, so I'm, uh, I'm fascinated when you talk about, you know, wanting to bring, bring girls home to, to live in your house. And uh, now what are you doing? You're bringing girls to live in, in the house, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God's yeah. good that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, how long are you, where, have you been a part of Windsor Christian Fellowship? Uh, church here for, so I used to go to a small church in Woodsley, still friends with uh, that pastor. And mm -hmm. uh, we had his blessing when we moved to Windsor Christian Fellowship. Uh, we made sure of that. So we've been here now uh, 28 years. That's a significant amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grateful so, for my church community. Grateful. Yeah. 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 Now, uh, Windsor Christian Fellowship, I mean, that's that's a whole podcast episode all by itself. I should probably try to get Pastor Rick and Kathy on sometime. But uh, they started. Well, Pastor RJ and Pastor Mary now. Yeah, you know, now. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's there's. RJ is uh, Rick's son. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, going back to the 70s, it started as a, a Bible study group that uh, were looking at Windsor and saying, we need uh, we need a new church here. And and need a pastor. Uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, Rick Shimatero, uh, over the many years that he served as pastor, um, WCF was always a place that was uh, willing to venture out and to do things that weren't being done always willing to be innovative and try new things and and uh, so it wasn't too surprising that rick's wife kathy would um have a have a burden to for for women uh that needed needed recovery do you want to talk a little bit about sort of the origin story sure you and, know interesting go ahead yeah, no, go ahead. I was just going to say interesting is that um, I was leading Bible studies like years back here uh, in WCF. And um, in my Bible study group, a couple of gals had joined there uh, who I knew were struggling with addiction and difficult lifestyles. And um, I remember like bringing it up and saying, are are there people in the church that could take these girls in? Like they love the Lord and they just need safe places. And, you know, it's, they want to go on with their lives too, but we need help. And I, I just remember my children were younger then. Uh, we're probably going back now 15 to 20 years ago. And my kids were young and I, I knew that I couldn't, I, I, I uh, wouldn't even have the permission of my husband to, to bring them into my home. And so I was looking for answers and help. And I remember being told it was on Pastor Kathy's heart to build uh, a women's treatment facility. And I was like, but when? Like, I need this now. These ladies are my Bible study and I, I need help for them now. Um, and I just remember feeling desperate. Um, and then a few years later, again, when I heard the home was really going to open. And it's, that's a phenomenal story. Pastor Kathy had wanted to do it for a number of years, but the pro project looked too ominous. And she just was wrestling with the Lord saying, I, I, I can't do this, Lord. I won't, it's just such a big project. I don't even know where to start. And the Lord was little by little bringing people, uh, across her pathway. Um, uh, 
one of our current board members is also uh, on a board member with Life Outreach International. And James Robson uh, gave a significant amount of money uh, to Pastor Kathy and said, I hear you have a project on your heart. It's a good one. Do it. Wow. Uh, so um, that was sort of the, the final push that she needed to say, I need to do this. I, I, I have this large sum of money and I, I really need to do this. So she moved forward. She started talking more and gathering what we call ambassadors. And we still have an ambassador team that helped fundraise for the home. They started collecting around her, just people that were also interested in helping women and their and, and their families and to, to move forward in a positive way, in a healthier way. So uh, the last piece um, is that to the puzzle, uh, you know, we had lots of, if I, if I am not going to really mention anyone, because if I mention builders, I'll have to mention all of them that were involved in building the home. Um, but I will say this, and that is that uh, the Rosati family, the Rosati brothers, did mm -hmm. build our home. There was many other uh, people that were involved. We uh, were thankful to all of them. But there was a, a there was going to be a mortgage of three hundred thousand dollars that were was left. And Pastor Kathy was wrestling with the Lord, saying, "Lord, this is a brand new thing. I'm going to have to believe, have faith for salaries for people for just this handful of of staff." Right initially, I I I. I don't want to have to believe for a mortgage to, to pay a monthly mortgage on top of everything else. And she was just calling out to Lord and just, you know, sharing her, her heart and communication with him. And um, someone at the last hour when before the bank said, no, this is it. We're going to go into a mortgage said, how much do you need? And she said $300,000 and they uh, wrote a check. And so wow. it was all paid for. The home yeah. was paid for, and then you know, she'll say, "Then I just had to believe uh, for salaries for staff." Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that was the rudimentary uh, start, and uh, it's just grown tremendously. Pastor Kathy is still the chairman of the board. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got a wonderful, dedicated board. Uh, I was so grateful for them, and um, uh, that's where it started. So I came in at from the beginning. I I mentioned that I said I would. Uh, do a sports program. So I weekly came in as a volunteer uh, doing a sports program, quickly fell in love with the ladies, uh, quickly wanted to do everything I could just to love on them and show the love of Jesus and show them that um, Jesus is not about shame. He is about uh, reconciliation. He is about identity. Uh, he is about value and self-worth. And I just wanted them to know that. I, I still want them to know that. So that's how I came in. I would do a Bible study at the end of every night. So uh, I was just happy to spend the evenings with them. And I did that for seven years before I was asked to take this role as the executive director. Yeah. Well, my uh, you mentioned my sister, Lynn, who uh, has uh, has worked there as well and, and I think still works there. Yeah. There's, yeah. I love and, your sister. Yeah, I love her too. Uh, <laughs> but but again, you know, like yourself, uh, Lynn didn't uh, didn't grow up surrounded by um, addiction and and chaos. She grew up, you know, in a very sheltered Christian home. But her heart is made for this kind of ministry. She loves she loves the women. She she loves the 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 rough edges and and uh, just the the uh the the gut level honesty that you encounter 
And uh, yeah, it, it, you know, sometimes um, people who have had a horrific life with a lot of brokenness uh, also have a tremendous capacity to help others that have been in need of recovery. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes God calls people that uh, don't have <laughs> never been drunk, you know, never got stoned, never, never experimented much of, with anything. And yet it's it's a it's a ministry of the heart that uh, that makes makes the difference. What no matter what a person's background is, yeah. God uses uh, all kinds of people. I would agree. If 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 you genuinely love Jesus, you genuinely love need to love people and yeah. whatever that looks like where he calls you to be. For me, it's empowering women to uh yeah be the moms they want to be, to mm -hmm. be the women they want to be, to be able to walk successful lives and have have a good career. I, you know, I'm, I'm really big to try to get, encourage education with our women. We just did a St. Clair College tour on Friday and just to watch their eyes sparkle at possibilities. And I always tell the girls, you have options. You know, you're not pegged into a, a, a dark place where you have no options. You have options. And, uh, you know, just to watch their eyes light up with that possibility. I love it. So um, there's a lot of different 12-step programs, some that are residential. Um, but what what would you say distinguishes uh, your program from from the others? What what makes you unique in, in that landscape? Well, um, you know, potentially the faith base. There's, you know, is is one big piece. And Very big, yeah. I, 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 uh, I think sobriety is one thing, and recovery and healing of the heart uh, that Jesus does is is another piece. Um, I, I, what I've seen Jesus do, because really, drugs and alcohol addiction, as as I know you've seen, are really just covering up pain. So uh, early traumas in life, uh, early abuse in life, um, that's just the coping that our women have grabbed onto and then it grabbed them. So none of them would have started thinking, oh, you know, one day I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, an, an addict, right? It's just, you know, that's what they use to cover up pain. People use different things. That's what they used and it got them. So, um, Really, it's it's I, I think our program helps look at uh, the traumas and the pains uh, for healing because those wounds uh, often need to be opened up gently and gradually for healing. And it's Jesus that brings healing. It's Jesus that uh, has forgiven us of so much that helps us forgive others who have done not good things you know I, I say to our women there are there are things that were done to you as a child that you had no control over and uh they will those things will be wrong they will continue to be wrong those um things that happened but there are choices that you made then later in life uh that were were also wrong and uh you know we own what is ours to own regardless of whether we're in addiction or not we will own what is ours to own. And then there are sometimes just things we need to forgive other people for. And there are things that are so hard and terrible that only Jesus can help us do that. So um, 
I watch them walk through that. So I think that um, that's something that's unique to our program. It is unique that we have a long-term program. Now I am going to say this. We uh, have always been since we opened a year-long program. As of this coming January uh, 2024, we are um, changing to be a six-month program. Uh, a couple of reasons. One is um, for ladies when they come in and you're two months and you're sober and you're feeling good and you're having some healing uh, and you're a mom and you have kids and you're like, I just I just need to go. I need to get out. I feel I feel uh, better. I feel like my head is in a good space. Um, I, you know, we want to keep them as long as possible just for more healing and to keep them out of, I call it the, the three P's, the old playgrounds, the old playthings and the old uh, people uh, we used to hang with. So um, the longer they're away from those things and can be in it, you know, around love and safety and non-judgment and just walking in a healthy environment is helpful to them. But again, a year is a long time, right, for a mom to be away from her kids. So uh, we are hopeful that that will help encourage women uh, to stay the course. You know, six months, half a year uh, seems less ominous than uh, a total year. And then on the other side, we do have aftercare program. We actually have six transition beds. So ladies, uh, after they graduate, they can, uh, uh, there is a possibility of them staying. Bed availability is a piece of that. Uh, for another six to 12 months um, where they can stay. They can start to walk up more freedom, get a job, uh, go to school, um, but still have accountability uh, and being in a safe environment. So, um, and then we have aftercare. So for those graduates, they have free aftercare for their lifetime. So if, mm. you know, they're, they can, there's two Zoom meetings and a one-on-one -on -one for the first year. But after that, as they, as crisis rises up they have a person that is dedicated to say hey um give me a call and we'll talk we'll set up an appointment and and let's just talk through what's going on in your life yeah um as i understand it there's three stages that the women go through the uh intake and stability phase the yeah. um uh, working phase and the transition aftercare phase so yeah. walk walk me through um I'm uh, I'm I'm a girl and I'm I'm five five days sober and I'm now living at Windsor Life Center. Um, can you talk me down from the ledge here? What what am I going to be dealing with? Yeah. So the first uh, thing a, a gal would do is call the center and ask to talk to the intake coordinator, who will begin that conversation of where are you at right now? What's going on? Uh, she'll do, she'll set up, up a time for an assessment um, and then uh, often have them check in if there's no space. Uh, you, there, there are good reasons um, to have a little bit of the time in between the conversation because readiness is really important. If a gal uh, is lots of times they want help, but if you just want help for the minute, then a, then uh, you know, uh, a bed can be a revolving door, right? Yeah. But for when our intake coordinator, who is great at what she does, begins to work and 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 help them even start in that uh, uh, getting ready process, when they come through the doors, they're more likely to stay. So, um, so that that would be the first 
they would call the center, they would ask to talk to the intake coordinator who would begin that the communication dialogue with them until they come finally have a, a scheduled date, they get through our doors. And then it is uh, that first uh, that first week, it, it is just get acclimatized. So uh, acclimated to your setting. So they really are in an intake room by themselves, but they have a buddy assigned to them that's in program that will constantly check on them. They can sleep more, they can eat more, they can really just kind of come out uh, and test the water, see what's going on, you know, step into a, a class if they want to. And uh, so they've got actually a week to do that. But by day seven, they're heading into program and we have classes, first three months, um, well, we've we've got classes that look at the recovery side and um, and then we've got practical classes. So in the first three months, we have classes like Seeking Safety, 12 Smart Things, Conflict Resolution, Boundaries. Um, in the last three months, we have classes that become a bit more practical, like budgeting, um, finances, uh, parenting, if, if they're a parent, relationships, healthy relationships, what does that look like? Um, and they continue with recovery work. So um, I guess, uh, did I answer that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, how many, tell me about the facility. It was, uh, it was built new for this express purpose. And uh, so tell me about the facility. Tell me, any, tell me how, how many beds and, and okay. all that kind of piece. I will tell you, uh, I'm, I'm, you, you see it because the soccer fields are behind, right? But the building yeah. itself is beautiful. It is. And um, it, it, behind, we have big windows behind the building um, and it overlooks rolling hills. And behind the rolling hills, which you can't see unless you're back there, is, a so is soccer fields. So in the summer, children play soccer back there, but it's well behind the home. Um, so the home uh, is a beautiful building uh, inside and out. It, it is aesthetically pretty. Um, so we have 12 beds, not including the two intake beds, but we have 12 uh, program beds um, for gals in the, the six-month program. And then we have six beds uh, on the opposite side of the hallway um, for transition. We call it phase three. So the, the, there's phase one, which is uh, up to three months, phase two, which is three months to six months, and then the transition phase. And there, and there are increased um, uh, I, I freedom levels as, as they go through and they can, you know, start to feel out a little bit more freedom as far as passes, because uh, the goal is for ladies to be able to deal with situations and be, be, be tested on that with passes and things. And then uh, you know, come back and talk about it. What happened? How'd you feel? You know, what were triggers? Uh, what tools did you use that, that you've begun to learn now to fight some of those trigger triggers, right? So, um, um, so yeah, so that if, if, if the house is full, now we also have two uh, live-in staff, so that are there, quite often those are graduates. We do have one is a graduate currently, quite often those are graduates who have chosen to stay in a staff live in staff position and um and uh continue on with with their lives as well while they live there the uh the the relational aspect of learning how to how to relate to to others learning how to relate to other women 
mm -hmm. um, I imagine is is a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, the um, uh, recent podcast I uh, interviewed Aaron White. Uh, yes. Who yeah. Who I just watched wrote, that. Yeah. 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 So I was I was really struck by by what Aaron was saying about just the the malaise in our culture. You know that we're not if we're going to help people in recovery, it's not about helping them to become model Canadians <laughs> uh, because something in our society is, is not well. We, we have a, a world that cherishes independence and leads us to isolation and, yeah. and uh, you, you got to do it on your own. You got to be independent and, and uh, just what, what are you seeing in, in reality? You know what? Uh, addiction hides in isolation uh, a, a lot of the time, right? Uh, I, shame is so great uh, for our women when they come through. Shame is so great. Uh, that's why I call our our, our home a non judgmental, safe home where they will be loved. Because there is no point to be pointing fingers at you know you did this or you did this. They they know that they're so full yeah. of shame. They're, they just feel like they they have no value. And so um, to have a community of women around them that will love them, I hear many girls say, um, you know, it's a bubble there, right, Julie? Like, that's not the real world because my staff is kind. They're they're not uh, cursing, swearing, yelling at them. Not, not that we, we do have, you know, we do set boundaries as well, right? And, 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 and you may have reasons to want to curse at them. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> um, so, but you know what? They feel supported. They may not always agree. You know what? When they're wrestling with, I want to do what I want to do. Uh, it is a, it is such a battle and you watch them battle it and you know, the wounds are so deep. Um, and one thing I know is that, you know, if it crosses a point where we are working harder than they are working, it's not going to work, right? It needs to be a, a, a combined effort. You you want it and you just need us to come alongside and love you and encourage you and help you and be it. And you have to have a community to do that, right? You that They cannot do that alone. Mm -hmm. um, I appreciate, you know, the church being right here for them too. They come to church Wednesdays and Sundays and that becomes a bigger community around them. Um, you know, to also encourage them. I, I still um, run sports with them. I do a gym program with them, but we, I, I play pickleball. Okay. <laughs> and that's very enjoyable to me. So I bring the girls in. So on Monday night here, um, I have several ladies at the home that love to play pickleball. I taught to play pickleball and they like it too. So on Monday evenings there, are, it's a women's night of pickleball. And so uh, there are women that come in and I and my girls come over and they play and, and to watch, you know, them just play and have fun and just be, uh, you know, a, a woman having fun and laughing and playing is uh, so healthy for them. I love it. Yeah. Are, are there things in in your role here that have um, uh, broken your heart? Oh, my gosh. Over and over. To yeah. watch women walk out breaks my heart every time. It is it, it's yeah. you know, and I have so many reach back out. <laughs> I have women I've run across them and they say, Hey Julie, you maybe don't remember me, but I was in the program. 
now I've been in this role for three years. I started the fall of the pandemic, fall 2020. I started in this role. Um, but before that, you know, I was volunteering in it, teaching the sports program every every week. So I still run into women who will say, hey, do you remember me? And most of the time I do. And so I'll say, yeah, I do. And they'll say, hey, you know, I left at three months, uh, but I want you to know, like this one gal I ran into, she was at a grocery store. And uh, she said, Julie, you guys really loved me so much. And you taught me Jesus. And I left there prematurely because I was too pig headed and I wanted to do my own thing. And so she said, I, they, she said, I left I end up going to a, a darker spot in my life, but that caused me to know, to look back and go, what did I have there? And I found Jesus. And so I got back on track with him. I went to school. I'm working a job. I'm going to school and I'm, I'm sober now. Praise Jesus. Right. Yeah. So I actually hear that a, a gal that left and just broke my heart. And I just, I remember sitting with her and just saying, don't do this. Like, you have options, like we're here for you, right? Um, but she decided to leave and just not too long ago, she reached out, found me on Facebook and said, Julie, I just want to thank you so much. Uh, you love me, you were right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sorry I couldn't see it then, but I want you to know that I got so much out of my time there. I, I, we, I just value it. So while that's heartwarming, it is also painful for myself and all of our staff and for the women that are still in program. They watch women walk out to know what they're going to do. You know, I mean, I don't know. A woman can say she's, you know, it's this reason or this reason I'm going to leave. There's generally the reason she's going to leave and they know it. And so they're struggling to stay in. And so it's hard on them. Um, it, it's hard on our hearts because we love them so much. And we know that God's got a better plan and a pathway for them. And if they'll just hang in there, they'll get it. Um, sometimes it's down the road that that happens. Um, one thing I know, you know, what I've learned in this world, um, they, they, it, they may not always get it with us, but I can say that the majority of women come to know Jesus in their time with us. And for me, that's the win. I, I used to work in a, I did business for my hospital in the States for 11 years to my uh, boss, not to me. Cause I just said, Jesus, if, if, if you're giving me this role to do, I'm just going to love people. Mm-hmm. And a business comes from my hospital because of it. That's a bonus, but I'm just going to love people and, and care about their stories. Um, so I traveled for my hospital and did that. But for, to my boss, you know, I put numbers on a chart, right? I, I got accolades for yeah. what I did. I knew it was Jesus' favor in my life. So I, I you know, I wouldn't really claim that for myself. Um, but I just be like, but that was to my boss. But here, if you're going to ask me success, when women come to know Jesus, even if they didn't with us, which they usually do, but if they didn't, I know the seeds were planted and I trust the Lord to, to have other people come along and water and harvest that. Um, but that's my definition of success. Mm, That's it. That's it right there for sure. Um, Because when they come to know him, there's healing in their hearts. They start to know their identity in him. They start to forgive people that they've been kept in bondage because they couldn't forgive. They, they start, the shame uh, starts to, to get off of them. And I always tell them what's past is past. We can do nothing about that, but it doesn't have to define what your future looks like. And you can live a healthy and wholesome 
and successful life moving forward. If if that means you're in a grocery store, I, I know somebody that graduated with us and she's the happiest uh, uh, teller in a, in a grocery store. I said, your line up is going to be the longest because you got that big smile and you got the joy of the Lord and people are going to want to come through to see you because they need that. You're, it doesn't matter what area you go into. I want them to be able to support themselves in a career. But in her case, she had a child and she couldn't go back to school. She needed to be able to uh, raise him. So I said, whatever you do, we do unto the Lord. And, and you'll be able to tell your story when the Holy Spirit tells you to do so and help people wherever you go. If you could have, um, if you could, uh, you know, dream a, a, a bigger dream for, for the center. Um, what would that look like? Oh my gosh. I, I would love uh, to bust out the walls, uh, to have more space for women. Um, I would love, I would love to have, uh, more transition homes in Windsor, uh, in our area. I mean, every woman doesn't settle in our area and women come from across Canada to, to our center, but many do set, settle here because this is a community they have found support in, but, um, I would love for, uh, transition homes, safe places for them to go to have housing, but be safe and not have to go back into areas that could, you know, create hardship for them. So I guess that I would love more, more room uh, in our center. And I would love to have transition places for them when they do leave us to have safe places to go. That's a good dream. Uh, what, how much does it, cost to take a woman through the program and uh, how how is it funded so good question thank you uh it takes about 60 well okay so when they were staying with us a year i would have said sixty-five thousand. uh i actually haven't looked at numbers for the six month but i'm guessing half of that um was about 5500 a month uh for so i guess that will stay it'll just be six months instead of a year um, we are privately funded, so uh, we don't get uh, government assistance. Um, so, yeah, so it, it is the Lord's faithfulness through uh, people who see the importance, donors, sponsors for our events. We have a, a big walkathon in the spring. Uh, we have a, a gala that just happened in the fall um, that are very helpful to us month being a monthly sponsor is always helpful because um knowing those monthly funds that will come in is very helpful for your budgeting and then the events are bonuses uh with with extra funds to to do a few extra things the lord has always provided uh i am grateful that i that i came in when i did because you know i do know that it was hard plowing in the early years right you haven't built credibility people don't know if they want to invest their money into you um but so many beautiful stories came out of those early years and, and continued to come out. Um, so I, I have seen the Lord do incredible things. But yes, it, it, it is always just the Lord's hand of faithfulness through, through people, uh, provision, his provision. Yeah, I, I know that uh, it's important to protect anonymity and we don't want to uh, name 
names without people's permission, but are there a couple uh, examples that uh, really stick to you personally uh, of stories of women uh, that you you were able to witness the miracle and be forever changed by it? Is there a couple that you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. Uh, so many. Um, and I, I, I do have permission because they've shared it given us permission to share uh, these ones that I'll, that I'll share. Um, and we put a quarterly newsletter out. Well, actually not quarterly, three times a year, we put a newsletter out and, and their stories have been in that. And again, I, I share as they've given me permission to do so. But um, one gal, uh, she came through our door uh, a few years back and she was so malnourished and just, she came at the late hour, the intake coordinator then, uh, was waiting for her to come. She didn't come at the time she was supposed to. And she said she she came, she was in the back of a pickup truck and uh, dropped off and just looked so uh, malnourished and uh, thin. Um, anyway, she came through our doors, this gal, and she said, uh, her name is Melissa. And she said uh, she knew that uh, she, used, she she had peace the moment she came through and she said, I knew I could never go back or I would die. She had actually uh, overdosed 10 times and been brought back. And she said, I knew that I was playing a type of Russian roulette and a, a bullet, so to say, would get me. So she said, I knew I had, I couldn't go back. And so, and she is very, a very grateful gal. She was from the very beginning and she'd be grateful for a bed and grateful for meals and grateful for everything so you know when others sometimes will be expecting and complaining she was just grateful and and she was there uh through the pandemic too right and she just always found things to be grateful for which is a big key right gratitude um so anyway but before coming to us she was uh had lost everything uh she said i had houses julie i had cars and we'd lost it all uh to substance abuse and um she was living in a tent on in a park and uh she her life was chaos she'd been separated from her little boy her her uh a sibling was raising her little boy and uh she was heartbroken about that and just began the healing healing journey with us and uh looking at those traumas and hard things in her life that had happened that just needed healing and uh need to she gave her life to Jesus in her time there and um the other side of her graduation, uh, you know, she's still walking out recovery and has her little boy back in her life. And she's a full-time mama and uh, she works and uh, helps her father out and uh, she's doing good. And this is cool too. So it was a, a church ministry in her area that helped uh, her and uh, poured into her down there. And now she is back in that church and she's in a feeding program, feeding uh, homeless and those in substance abuse pouring back into that community that poured into her and helped her get to us. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Tell She's me another, so tell much. me another one. Tell me another one. All right. Another gal, uh, uh, she is, uh, she grew up in uh, foster care. So uh, by the age of 18, she was in 20 different foster homes, uh, hospitalizations, hotels, uh, just, uh, a rough, a rough uh, life and um, hard things happened to this gal. And, and she's really just a smart gal and she's a nice gal. And um, 
so you can imagine having really, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine, but just no support, you know, no attachments because you, you couldn't, because you didn't know where you'd be next. And uh, she's now walking out recovery uh, just a little over two years. Uh, she's, she's doing great. She works full time and uh, she, she, she plays pickleball with us and uh, she is, uh, she just works hard and you watch her love on the other women. And she is, uh, you know, just the, what the, what she can offer, you know, sometimes understanding and, and knowing the lifestyle. When I watch her encourage the ladies, um, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to watch her be poured back into. And she, she straight up says like she stayed in our transition uh, uh, space as well. And she just said, Julie, I, I wouldn't have remained sober if I couldn't have done that. And again, the longer they can walk out recovery, uh, the stronger they get, the stronger they get. So uh, it's just been beautiful watching her um, begin life again. And just, uh, you know, she's a joy. Well, the world, the world can be a truly dark place. And I think every one of us are touched by the darkness in some way. But um, you're, uh, you're sharing good news today, you know, that that Jesus changes lives, and uh, that there is a, a well lit path for people to to go on. And uh, so, uh, Julie, I, I just uh, am, am impressed too that you know, your love for Jesus, it started when you were young and, and that you got his heart right away for, for hurting girls. And uh, God, God has given you the desires of your heart to be able to serve him in that way. So Julie, okay. thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. And as usual, we'll put links in the show notes so people can uh, track you guys down and, and reach out for help. And, uh, Hopefully there'll be some people that also say that speaks to me and I want to, I want to be a supporter and they'll be able to find out how to do that from, from your website. Yes, absolutely. We'd be, we'd be grateful. So let me just say in closing, thank you again, uh, Pastor Kevin, for having me on. And I just want to want to stress that it is a privilege and an honor to begin uh, or to be able to work with these beautiful ladies. I call them my, my beautiful leaders in training. Uh, and, uh, I, 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 I love them so much. It's a privilege and an honor. And, um, I just feel grateful that God called me and he gave me the opportunity to do what he put on my heart. Uh, it's, it is, I love it. Yeah. When, when we, when we serve the least of these, uh, we become students, we, we become the learners. And, and God does so much uh, to, to expand our understanding and, and increase our capacity to love. So thank you for being obedient to him, Julie. We'll, okay. uh, we'll thank you to too. <laughs> if you know a woman that's dealing with addiction issues, uh, perhaps maybe you need to give Julie Hunter a call. Uh, I'll have uh, information in the show notes so that you can uh, track down um, Windsor, uh, Windsor Life Center, and uh, perhaps uh, that's the answer that uh, that you've been praying for. On our next episode, uh, I went uh, to the Our City Scarborough uh, Conference, and uh, the plenary speaker for uh, the day was uh, David Wells. David Wells, of course, is 
well known internationally as the uh, general superintendent of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Uh, he's also uh, really, I think, one of the the, the key uh, people involved in birthing Mission Canada many years ago now. And uh, he uh, is going to uh, bring us an inspiring message about uh, serving in the urban centers. So uh, join us again. Until that time, I'm your host, Kevin Rogers, and you've been listening to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. <laughs>